Story two Sigerman's Percent of Cattle Brands A Collection of Western Campfire Stories This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Cattle Brands A Collection of Western Campfire Stories by Andy Adams Story two Sigerman's Percent Towards the wind-up of the Cherokee Strip Cattle Association, it became hard to ride a chuck-line in winter. Some of the cattle companies on the range, whose headquarters were far removed from the scene of active operations, saw fit to give orders that the common custom of feeding all comers and letting them wear their own welcome out must be stopped. This was hard on those that kept open house the year round. There was always a surplus of men on the range in the winter. Sometimes there might be ten men at a camp, and only two on the payroll. These extra men were called chunk-line riders. Probably eight months in the year they all had employment. At many camps they were welcome, as they would turn to and help do anything that was wanted done. After a hard freeze it would be necessary to cut the ice so that the cattle could water. A reasonable number of guests were no drawback at a time like this, as the chunk-line men would be the most active in opening the ice with axes. The cattle belonging to those who kept open house never got so far away that someone didn't recognize the brand and turned them back towards their own pasture. It was possible to cast bread upon the waters, even on the range. The new order of things was received with many protests. Late in the fall three worthies of the range formed a combine and laid careful plans of action in case they should get let out of a winter's job. "'I've been on the range a good while,' said Baal, the leader of these trio, "'but hereafter I'll not ride my horses down, turning back the brand of any hidebound cattle company.' "'That won't save you from getting hit with a check for your time when the snow begins to drift,' commented Stubb. "'When we make our grand tour of the state this winter,' remarked Arab Ab, "'we'll get that check of Baal's cashed, together with our own. "'One thing's sure, we won't fret about it. "'Still we might think that riding a chuck-line would beat footing it in a Granger country broke.' "'Oh, we won't go broke,' said Baal, who was the leader in the idea that they would go to Kansas for the winter and come back in the spring when men are wanted. "'So, when the beef season had ended,' The calves had all been branded up, and everything made snug for the winter. The foreman said to the boys at breakfast one morning, "'Well, lads, I've kept you on the payroll as long as there has been anything to do, but this morning I'll have to give you your time. These recent orders of mine are sweeping, for they cut me down to one man, and we are to do our own cooking. I'm sorry that any of you that care to can't spend the winter with us. It's there that my orders are very distasteful to me, for I know what it is to write a chuck-line myself. You all know that it's no waste of affection by this company that keeps even two of us on the payroll. While the foreman was looking up accounts and making out the time of each, Bach asked him, "'When is the wagon going in after the winter supplies?' "'In a day or two, answered the foreman. "'Why?' "'Why, Stubby, Arab, and myself want to leave our saddles and private horses here with you until spring.' We're going up in the state for the winter, and we'll wait and go in with the wagon. "'That will be all right,' said the foreman. "'You'll find things right side up when you come after them, and a job if I can give it to you.' "'Don't you think it's poor policy?' 
asked Stubb of the foreman, as the latter handed him his time, to refuse the men a roof and the bite they eat in winter. "'You may ask that question at headquarters when you get your time-check cashed. I've learned not to think contrary to my employers, not in the mouth of winter, anyhow.' "'Oh, we don't care,' said Paul. "'We're going to take in the state for a change of scenery. We'll have a good time and plenty of fun on the side.' The first snow-squall of the season came that night, and the wagon could not go in for several days. When the weather moderated, the three bade the foreman a hearty good-bye and boarded the wagon for town, forty miles away. This little village was a supply-point for the range country to the south, and lacked that diversity of entertainment that the trio desired. So, to a larger town westward, a county seat, they hastened by rail. This hamlet they took in by sections. There were the games running to suit their tastes, the variety theatre with its painted girls, and handbills announced that on the twenty-fourth of December and Christmas Day there would be horse-races. To do justice to all, this melted their money fast. Their gay round of pleasure had no check until the last day of the races. Heretofore they had held their own in the games, and the first day of the races they had even picked several winners. But grief was in store for Bach, the leader, Bach, the brains of the trio. He had named the winners so easily the day before that now his confidence knew no bounds. His opinion was supreme on a running horse, though he cautioned the others not to risk their judgment. In fact, they had better follow him. "'I'm going to back that sorrel gilding, that one yesterday in the free-for-all today,' said he to Stubb and Arab. "'And if you boys go in with me, we'll make a killing.' "'You can lose your money on a horse-race too quick to suit me,' replied Stubb. "'I prefer to stick to poker. But you go ahead and win all you can, for spring is a long ways off yet.' "'My observation of you as a poker-player, my dear Stubby, is that you generally play the first hand to win, and all the rest to get even.' They used up considerable time scoring for the free-for-all running race Christmas Day, during which delay Bach not only got all his money bet, but his wash and a new overcoat. The race went off with the usual dash, when there were no more bets in sight, and when it ended Bach buttoned up the top button of his coat, pulled his hat down over his eyes, and walked back from the racetrack in a meditative state of mind to meet Stubb and Arab Ab. "'When I gamble and lose I never howl,' said Bach to his friends. "'But I do love a run for my money, though I didn't have any more chance today than a rabbit.' I'll take my hat off to the man that got it, however, and charge it up to my tuition account. "'You big chump, you! If you hadn't bet your overcoat it wouldn't be so bad. What possessed you to bet it?' asked Stubb, half reprovingly. "'Oh, hell, I'll not need it. It's not going to be a very cold winter, nohow,' replied Bach, as he threw up one hand toward the warm sun. "'We need exercise. Let's walk back to town. Now—' This is a little unexpected, but what have I got you boys for if you can't help a friend in trouble? There's one good thing. I've got my board paid three weeks in advance. Paid it this morning out of yesterday's winnings. Lucky, ain't I? Yes, you're powerful lucky. You're alive, ain't you? said Stubb, rubbing salt into his wounds. Now, my dear Stubby, don't get gay with the leading lady. You may get in a bad box some day and need me. This turn of affairs was looked upon by Stubb and Arab as quite a joke on their leader. 
but it was no warning to them, and they continued to play their favorite games. Stub at poker, while Arab gave his attention to Monte. Things ran along a few weeks in this manner, Bach never wanting for a dollar or the necessary liquids that cheer the despondent. Finally they were forced to take an inventory of their cash and similar assets. The result was suggestive that they would have to return to the chuck-line, or unearth some other resource. The condition of their finances lacked little of the red ink line. Bach, who had been silent during this pow-wow, finally said, "'My board will have to be provided for in a few days, but I have an idea struck it today, and if she works, we'll pull through to grass like four-time winners.' "'What is it?' asked the other two in a chorus. "'There's a little German on a back street here who owns a barroom with a hotel attached.' He has a mania to run for office. In fact, there are several candidates announced already. Now, the convention don't meet until May, which is in our favor. If my game succeeds, we will be back at work before that time. That will let us out easy. As their finances were on a parity with Bach's, the others were willing to undertake anything that looked likely to tie them over the winter. "'Leave things to me,' said Bach. I'll send a friend around to sound our German, and see what office he thinks he'd like to have. The information sought developed the fact that it was the office of sheriff that he wanted. When the name was furnished, the leader of this scheme wrote it on a card. Sigerman? Louis Sigerman, not trusting to memory. Bach now reduced their finances further for a shave, while he meditated how he would launch his scheme. An hour afterwards he walked up to the bar and asked, "'Is Mr. Sigerman in?' "'Dot is my name, sir,' said the man behind the bar. "'Could I see you privately for a few minutes?' asked Ba, who himself could speak German, though his tongue did not indicate it. "'In one moment,' said Sigerman, as he laid off his white apron and called an assistant to take his place. He then led the way to a back room used for a storehouse. Now. "'Mein friend, what is it?' inquired Louis, when they were alone. "'My name is Bachman,' said he, as he shook Louis's hand with a hearty grip. "'I work for the Continental Cattle Company, who own a range in the strip adjoining the county line below here. My people have suffered in silence from several bands of cattle thieves who have headquarters in this county. Heretofore we have never taken any interest in the local politics of this community.' But this year we propose to assert ourselves and try to elect a sheriff who will do his sworn duty, and run out of this county these rustling cattle thieves. Mr. Sigerman, it would surprise you. Did I give you the figures in round numbers of the cattle that my company have lost by these brand-burning rascals who infest this section? Now, to business, as you are a businessman, I have come to ask you to consent to your name being presented to the county convention, which meets in May, as a candidate for the office of sheriff of this county. As Louis scratched his head and was meditating on his reply, Bachman continued, Now, we know that you are a busy man and have given this matter no previous thought, so we do not insist on an immediate reply. But think it over, and let me impress on your mind that if you consent to make the race, you will have the support of every cattleman in the country. Not only their influence and support, but in a selfish interest will their purses be at your command to help elect you. This request of mine is not only the mature conclusion of my people, 
but we have consulted others interested, and the opinion seems unanimous that you are the man to make the race for this important office. "'Mr. Bachman, will you not have one drink with me?' said Sigerman, as he led the way towards the bar. "'If you will kindly excuse me, Mr. Sigerman, I never like to indulge while attending to business matters. I'll join you in a cigar, however, for acquaintance' sake.' When the cigars were lighted, Bach observed, "'Why, do you keep hotel? If I had known it, I would have put up with you, but my bill is paid in advance at my hotel until Saturday. If you can give me a good room by then, I'll come up and stop with you.' "'You can have any room in mine house, Mr. Bachman,' said Sigerman. As Bach was about to leave, he once more impressed on Louis the nature of his call. "'Now, Mr. Sigerman,' said Bachman, using the German language during the parting conversation. Let me have your answer at the earliest possible moment, for we want to begin an active canvass at once. This is a large county, and to enlist our friends in your behalf, no time should be lost. With a profusion of lebensewals and well-wishes for each other, the Swibond parted. Stubb and Arab were waiting on a corner for Bach, when he returned, he withheld his report until they had retreated to the privacy of their own room. Once secure, he said to both, "'If you would like to know what an active, resourceful brain is, put your ear to my head,' tapping his temple with his finger, "'and listen to mine throb and purr. Everything is working like silk. I'm going around to board with him Saturday. I want you to go over with me tomorrow, Stubby, and give him a big game about what a general uprising there is amongst the cowmen for an efficient man for the office of sheriff, and make it strong. I gave him my last world to-day in German. Oh, he'll run all right, and we want to convey the impression that we can rally the cattle interests to his support. Put up a good grievance, mind you. You can both know that I begged strong when I took this cigar in preference to drink." "'It's certainly a bad state of affairs we've come to when you refuse whisky. "'Don't you think so, Stubby?' said Arab, addressing the one and appealing to the other. "'You never refused to drink, Bach. You know you didn't,' said Stubb reproachfully. "'Oh, you little sawed-off burnt offering, you can't see the policy that we must use in handling this matter. "'This is a delicate play that can't be managed, rough-shot on horseback.' It has food, shelter, and drink in it for us all, but they must be kept in the background. The main play now is to convince Mr. Sigerman that he has a call to serve his country in the office of sheriff. Bear down heavy on the emergency clause, then make him think that no other name but Louis Sigerman will satisfy the public clamor. Now, my dear Stubby, I know that you are a gifted and accomplished liar, and for that reason I insist that you work your brain and tongue in this matter. Keep your own motive in the background, and bring his to the front. That's the idea. Now, can you play your part? Well, as I have until tomorrow to think it over, I'll try," said Stubb. The next afternoon Bach and Stubb sauntered into Louis's place, and received a very cordial welcome at the hands of the proprietor. Bach introduced Stubb as a friend of his whom he had met in town that day, and who, being also interested in cattle, he thought might be able to offer some practical suggestions. Their polite refusal to indulge in a social glass with a proprietor almost hurt his feelings. "'Let us retire to the rear room for a few moments of conversation, if you have the leisure,' said Bach. Once secure in the back room, Stubb opened his talk. "'As my friend Mr. Bachman has said,' 
I am local manager of the Ohio Cattle Company operating in the Strip. I am spending considerable time in your town at present, as I am overseeing the wintering of something like a hundred saddle horses and two hundred and fifty of our thoroughbred bulls. We worked our saddle stock so late last fall that, on my advice, the superintendent sent them into the state to be corn-fed for the winter. The bulls were too valuable to be risked on the range. We had over fifty stolen last season. That cost us over three hundred dollars a head. I had a letter this morning from our superintendent, asking me to unite with what seems to be a general movement to suppress this high-handed stealing that has run riot in this country in the past. Mr. Bachman has probably acquainted you with a general sentiment in cattle circles regarding what should be done. I wish to assure you further that my people stand ready to use their best endeavors to nominate a candidate who will pledge himself to stamp out this disgraceful brand-burning and cattle-rustling. The little protection shown the livestock interests in this western country has actually driven capital out of one of the best-paying industries in the West. But it is our own fault. We take no interest in local politics. Any one is good enough for sheriff with us, but this year there seems to be an awakening. It may be a selfish interest that prompts this uprising, I think it is, but that is the surest hope in politics for us. The cattlemen's pockets have been touched, their interests have been endangered. Mr. Sigerman, I feel confident that if you will enter the race for this office it will be a walk away for you. Now consider the matter fully, and I might add that there is a brighter future for you politically than you possibly can see. I wish I had brought our superintendent's letter with me for you to read. He openly hints that if we elect a sheriff in this county this fall who makes an efficient officer, he will be strictly in line for the office of United States Marshal of Western Kansas and all the Indian Territory. You see, Mr. Sigerman, in our company we have as stockholders three congressmen and one United States senator. I have seen it in the papers myself, and it is a common remark down east, so I am told that the weather is chilly when an Ohio man gets left. Now, with these men of our company interested in you, there would be no refusing them the appointment. Why, it would give you the naming of fifty deputies, good easy money in every one of them. You could sit back in a well-appointed government office and enjoy the comforts of life. Now, Mr. Sigerman, we will see you often, but let me suggest that your acceptance be as soon as possible, for if you positively decline to enter the race, we must look in some other quarter for an available man. Leaving these remarks for Sigerman's reflections, he walked out of the room. As Sigerman started to follow, Bach tapped him on the shoulder to wait, as he had something to say to him. Bach now confirmed everything said using the German language. He added, now, my friend Stubb is too modest to admit who his people really are, but the Ohio Cattle Company is practically the Standard Oil Company, but they don't want it known. It's a confidence that I'm placing in you, and request you not to repeat it. Still, you know what a syndicate they are, and the influence they carry. That very little man who has been talking to you has better backing than any cow-boss in the West. He's a safe conservative fellow to listen to. When they had rejoined Stubb in the bar-room, Bach said to Sigerman, "'Don't you think you can give us your answer by Friday next, so your name can be announced in the papers, and an active canvas begun without further loss of time?' "'Gentlemen, I'll try to,' said Louis. "'But you'll not take a drink with me once again, and it?' "'No, thank you, Mr. Sigerman,' replied Stubb. "'He gave me a very fine cigar yesterday. You'll like them if you try one.' 
said Bach to Stubb. Let it be a cigar to-day, Mr. Seigerman. As Bach struck a match to light his cigar, he said to Stubb, I'm coming up to stop with Mr. Seigerman to-morrow. Why don't you join us? I would be very much blessed to have you mine guest, said Louis, very inch the host. This is a very homelike looking place, remarked Stubb. I may come up. I'll come round Sunday and take dinner with you anyhow. Do, please, urged Louis. There was a great deal to be said, and it required two languages to express it all, but finally the Drebant parted. The next day Bach moved into his new quarters, and the day following Stubb was so pleased with his Sunday dinner that he changed at once. "'I'm expecting a man from Kansas City to-morrow,' said Bach to Louis on Sunday morning. "'Who will know the sentiment existing in cattle circles in that city? He'll be in on the morning train.' Stubb, in the meantime, had coached Arab as to what he should say. As Bach and he had covered the same ground, it was thought best to have Arab Ab the healer, the man who could deliver the vote to order. So, Monday morning after the train was in, the original trio entered and Arab was introduced. The back room was once more used as a council chamber where the fire-bond held an important session. "'I don't think there was so much interest being taken.' began Arab Ab, until my attention was called to it yesterday by the President and Secretary of our company in Kansas City. I want to tell you that the cattle interests in that city are aroused. Why, our Secretary showed me the figures from his books, and in the Tin Cup brand alone we shipped out three hundred and twelve beeves short, out of twenty-nine hundred and ninety-six bought two years ago. My employers, Mr. Seigerman, are practical cowmen, and they know that those steers never left the range without help. Nothing but lead or Texas fever can kill a beef. We haven't had a case of fever on our range for years, nor a winter in five years that would kill an old cow. Why, our president told me if something wasn't done they would have to abandon this country and go where they could get protection. His final orders were to do what I could to get an eligible man as a candidate, which I am glad to hear from my friends here we have hopes of doing. Then, when the election comes off, we must drop everything and get every man to claim a residence in this county and vote him here. I'll admit that I'm no good as a wire-puller, but when it comes to getting out the voters, there's where you will find me as solid as a bridge abutment. Why, Mr. Seigerman, when I was skinning mules for Creech and Lee, contractors on the Rock Island one fall, they gave me my orders, which was to get every man on the works ready to ballot. I lined them up and voted them like running cattle through a branding chute, to put on a tally mark or vent a brand. There were a hundred and seventy-five of those dagos from the rock cut. I handled them like dipping ship for the scab. My friends here can tell you how I managed voting the bonds at a little town east of here. I had my orders from the same people I'm working for now to get out the cowpuncher element in the strip for the bonds. The bosses simply told me that what they wanted was a competing line of railroad. And as they didn't expect to pay the obligations, only authorized them, the next generation could attend to the paying of them, we got out a full vote. Well, we ran in from four to five hundred men from the strip, and out of over seven hundred ballots cast, only one against the bonds. We hunted the town all over to find the man that voted against us. We wanted to hang him. The only trouble I had was to make the boys think it was a straight-up democratic play, as they were nearly all originally from Texas. Now my friends here have told me that they are urging you to accept the nomination for sheriff. 
I can only add that in case you consent, my people stand ready to give their every energy to this coming campaign. As far as funds are concerned, to prosecute the election of an acceptable sheriff to the cattle interests, we would simply be flooded with it. It would be impossible to use one half of what would be forced on us. One thing I can say positively, Mr. Seigerman, they wouldn't permit you to contribute one cent to the expense of your election. Cattlemen are big-hearted fellows. They are friends worth having, Mr. Seigerman. Louis drew a long breath, and it seemed that a load had been lifted from his mind by these last remarks of Arab's. "'How many men are there in the Strip?' asked Arab of the others. "'Of all three divisions of the last round-up there were something like two thousand, replied Bach. "'And this county adjoins the cattle country for sixty miles in the north,' said Arab, still continuing his musing, "'or one-third of the Strip. Well, gentlemen,' he went on, waking out of his mental reverie and striking the table with his fist. If there's that many men in the country below, I'll agree to vote one half of them in this county this fall. "'Hold on a minute. Aren't you a trifle high on your estimate?' asked Stubb, the conservative, protestingly. "'Not a man too high. Give them a week's lay-off, with plenty to drink at this end of the string, and every man will come in for fifty miles either way. The time we voted the bonds won't be a marker to this election.' "'He's not far wrong,' said Bach to Stubb. "'Give the rascals a chance for a holiday like that, and they will come from the south line of the Strip.' "'That's right, Mr. Seigerman,' said Arab. "'They'll come from the west and south to a man, and as far east as the middle of the next county. I tell you there will be a thousand strong and a unit in voting. Watch my smoke on results.' "'Well,' said Stubb, slowly and deliberately, I think it's high time we had Mr. Seigerman's consent to make the race. This counting of our forces and the sinews of war is good enough in advance, but I must insist on an answer from Mr. Seigerman. Will you become our candidate? Gentlemen, how can I refuse to be one sheriff? The cattlemen's must be protect. I accept. The trio now arose, and with a round of oaths that would have made the captain of a pirate ship green with envy, swore Seigerman had taken a step he would never regret. After the hearty congratulation on his acceptance, they reseated themselves, when Louis, in his gratitude, insisted that on pleasant occasions like this he should be permitted to offer some refreshments of a liquid nature. "'I never like to indulge at a bar,' said Stubb. "'The people whom I work for are very particular regarding the habits of their trusted men.' "'It might be permissible on occasions like this to break certain established rules,' suggested Bach. "'Besides, Mr. Seigerman can bring it in here, where we will be unobserved.' "'Very well, then,' said Stubb. "'I waive my objections for sociability's sake.' When Louis had retired for this purpose, Bach arose to his full dignity and six foot three, and said to the other two, bowing, your uncle, my dears, will never allow you to come to want. Pin your faith to the old man. Why, we'll wallow in the fat of the land until the grass comes again, gentle Annie. Gentlemen, if you are gentlemen, which I doubt like hell, salute the victor. The refreshment was brought in, and before the session adjourned, they had lowered the contents of a black bottle of private stock by several fingers. The announcement of the candidacy of Mr. Louis Seigerman in the next week's paper, by aid of the accompanying fiver which went with the copy, encouraged the editor that others might follow to write a short favorable editorial. 
The article spoke of Mr. Seigerman as a leading citizen, who would fill the office with credit to himself and the community. The trio read the short editorial to Louis Daly for the first week. All three were now putting their feet under the table with great regularity, and doing justice to the vintage on invitation. The back room became a private office for the central committee of four. They were able political managers. The campaign was beginning to be active, but no adverse reports were allowed to reach the candidate's ears. He actually had no opposition, so the reports came in to the central committee. It was even necessary to send out Arab Ab to points on the railroad to get the sentiments of this and that community, which were always favorable. Funds for these trips were forced on them by the candidate. The thought of presenting a board bill to such devoted friends never entered mine host's mind. Thus several months passed. The warm sun and green blades of grass suggested springtime. The boys had played the role as long as they cared to. It had served the purpose that was intended. But they must not hurt the feelings of Sigerman or let the cause of their zeal become known to their benefactor and candidate for sheriff. One day a report came in of some defection and a rival candidate in the eastern part of the county. All hands volunteered to go out. Funds were furnished which the central committee assured their host would be refunded whenever they could get in touch with headquarters or could see some prominent cowmen. At the end of a week Mr. Sigerman received a letter. The excuses offered at the rich man's feast were discounted by pressing orders. One had gone to Texas to receive a herd of cattle instead of a few oxen. One had been summoned to Kansas City, one to Ohio. The letter concluded with the assurance that Mr. Sigerman need have no fear but that he would be the next sheriff. The same night that the letter was received by mine host, this tale was retold at a cow camp in the strip by the trio. The hard winter was over. At the county convention in May, Sigerman's name was presented. On each of three ballots he received one lone vote. When the news reached the boys in the strip, they dubbed this one vote Sigerman's percent, meaning the worst of anything, and that expression became a byword on the range, from Bronzeville, Texas, to the Milk River in Montana. End of story two.